0: Check your weapons at the door. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast that never wears a safety helmet. He finds the rules of pickleball too complex to follow. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Clubhouse for the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. As my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, probably told you, I'm Doug Jones, your Medicare expert. And uh, I can't help but just spread my expertise around. Medicare can be such a a wonderful thing for the people who uh, enroll in it at the proper time and who uh, use it when they need it because it basically is protection. If you don't need protection against big, you know, giant medical bills, then it's just nice to know that it's there. But if uh, something bad happens to you and you wind up encountering a lot of medical treatment, That normally would cost a ton of money, Medicare will ease that burden from you. And in fact, if you follow my recommendations for supplementing Medicare with some privately owned insurance that you purchase at the same time that you enroll in Medicare, then you're going to find yourself getting away from any fiscal problems scot free. And uh, you will find that Medicare has worked out very well for you. But it takes a little bit of planning. And that's what I do. I help people plan their their Medicare encounter and their subsequent Medicare lives just a little bit so they can do it uh, to get excellent, excellent uh, protection at very reasonable cost. That's what I specialize in. And how do I convey some of this knowledge to people? Well, I wrote a book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. The current edition is 2023. So if you go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com and put that in the search window, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Don't forget the numbers because you've got to look at the current edition. Then what you're going to see is a a series of uh, books that are available for you to purchase depending on your reading pleasure. Your reading preferences, so you can get the audible book and listen to me read it to you. I'll do all the work. I'll turn the pages. I'll announce the chapter headings, and and you can just lay back and let your brain dwell on the content. Or you can get the very inexpensive Kindle version. The e book will be uh, downloaded to your device. For the minimal cost of about $3.80, all the book prices are going to go up next edition because Amazon has boosted the cost of publishing the book. So right now I'm taking a fairly big hit, so I'm going to have to reprice everything when I do the new book, the 2024 edition, uh, towards the end of this year. Anyway, you would also have the... uh Paperback available, that's an $8 item. That's the most commonly purchased item. But I always tell people to give some consideration to the magnificently crafted $22 hardcover version. That is a keepsake for the ages, a family heirloom. Uh, I know that some families keep their, their uh, generation after generation uh, birth records and death records uh, inside the cover. Uh, almost as though it were a family Bible. And um, I encourage people to keep it handy and maybe buy one that they don't write in just as a uh, as a museum piece. So each family maybe should have several of them. Uh, that might not be a bad idea. Uh, speaking of bad ideas, Randy uh, Carson has a T-shirt that looks like a, a dial from a 1950s telephone. And I remember those days, boy, it took forever to dial a number. And uh, if that last number that you dial turned out to be the wrong one, you got to start all over again. That was that was not the best way to spend your time trying to figure out how to call somebody on the telephone back then. Randy, what are you going to do with that shirt now? Is that like reminiscent of the olden days? Or?
1: No, actually, what it is is a dog paw. Oh, uh,
0: it's not and a my, telephone dial.
1: No, I know it looks like it, but. My my daughter has quite a sense of humor and she gave this to me a couple of years ago and it says below where you can see. Yeah. I'm I'm 10 and dog ears.
0: I believe you wore it during another episode sometime <laughs> back. You had to explain it again. And of course I here I am. <laughs> I need to have it explained more than once, but that's okay. That's the way I live my life, asking people to explain difficult concepts. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to reminisce about uh, what it was like back when I had to dial a telephone, and and uh, that's going to be the way mean, I look at your T-shirt.
1: You mean back when the phone company owned the equipment and you could never buy
0: it? That's the weird thing. Mary's father never understood that he was paying something like 75 cents a month for each telephone in his house, and... Uh, <laughs> when when the court case came down that broke up the phone companies and everything changed, he never pulled the trigger on actually purchasing his telephones. And uh, I'm sure that he's the reason that AT and T stock was probably the the stock of choice for widows and orphans. They always said it was so reliable. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I I uh, worked for Western Electric, and I had some encounter with uh, the telephone company. Uh, encounters. Um, with, you know, that some, some things were explained to me that I understood other things were mysterious and I would never understand them. Um, for instance, uh, when they transferred from dial to, uh, touch tone, then that was a big deal. And I was so excited because it would be so much more efficient. Uh, it takes so little time to make a call. And if you messed it up, you could just hang up and, and, uh, start over again and you'd be, uh, quickly finished with your. Whereas the dial thing took forever. And if your fingers slipped out of the hole after you had, to, you
1: had to start all over again.
0: Absolutely. Or you'd wind up talking to somebody that you'd never heard of before. That yeah, that was not ever yeah. productive. But um I remember when I was a little kid and and they were gonna switch over to dial or to uh, touchtone touch tone service We ordered touch-tone service, and there was an additional charge every month for touch-tone service, but my parents paid for it. I know they were cheap in many other respects. So we had a fairly new house, fairly large house with a whole bunch of telephone jacks. Like, every room had at least one, sometimes two telephone jacks. So in order to institute touch-tone service, a telephone repairman had to come to the house and go and take every jack apart to make sure that the wire, the color-coded wires were connected in the proper way to accommodate touch tone. Because if you had dial service, there were, there was a pair of wires that were two different colors and it didn't matter which way they were connected. But if they were, if you have touch tone service, you had to have them connected to the certain screws, you know, that were, uh, so sometimes he had to switch them. Sometimes he pulled the thing off the wall and put it right back on. So I followed the guy around asking questions. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I'm sure he's uh, probably <laughs> very sick of some kid asking him questions. But there were uh, the two buttons on the touchtone phone. One had the hash marks and one had the uh, asterisk, and yep. if you'll remember. And so I said, okay, well, I know what all the numbers do. I'm ready for that. But what are those other two buttons for? And he looked at me and he said, nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> you mean the gods of telephone uh, tele, telephony uh don't have any Sometime in the future somebody may come up with a, a use for those buttons so they just decided to plan ahead for the future without really knowing whether they would be needed or not and put them on all the telephones so i thought well, that, that was that's a cool. great
1: story that's a great you know what i thought you were going to tell me
0: well, I'm sure it's not suitable for a family podcast, I bet. Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: you you're going to tell me your folks bought brand new touchtone phones to every, you know, so they could outfit the house with touchtone. And I thought what you were going to tell me is after everybody got them on, all installed, AT&T showed up and said, "We can't do it. You're not in the right area."
0: No, that didn't work. I that would have been <laughs> That would have been a very frustrating thing because I was all excited about having touchstone, but here's the deal. The guy showed up and our house was maybe a, a year or two old. And, um, it was it full of, as I told you, full of, um, um, uh, the plugs, uh, the sockets, what are they? Jacks. Jacks. Thank you very much. And these were the four prong jacks because yeah. that's what they had back then. They hadn't invented those little, you know, six wire doodads that you, uh, RJ 11. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I hope, <laughs> hope the audience knows how, how much I'm struggling with the terminology. And I have done my own telephone work, so I should remember all that stuff, but I don't remember the names. So anyway, we had the regular telephone jacks, and the guy went around the house um, checking everyone, you know, sometimes switching the two wires, sometimes not. And he then said, okay, where's your hardwired phone? And uh, you know, we don't have one of those. Every one of our phones could be unplugged. And he said, that is a verboten situation. Oh, you Mm -hmm. had
1: to have one that was actually welded into the house?
0: Yeah, exactly right. One that you were theoretically not savvy enough to be able to disconnect. And one of the reasons was because if they thought you had more phones, okay, as an employee of the telephone company, somehow I acquired a beautiful gold dial telephone. It's a D11, I think, is the model number. You know, (laughs) Randy. Uh, Anyway, the uh, the whole thing is it's beautiful gold. It's only one of a kind. They ordered it for some executive somewhere and I don't know why it, it found its way to my house but anyway um if I were to plug that in and the phone company had reason to suspect that I hadn't purchased that phone from them or wor- wasn't paying rent then they would ring my phones and measure the impedance to see if I had more than the phone more than the number of phones I was supposed to have plugged in to my house well they it's easier for them to catch somebody like me if it, all the phones are hardwired yeah on the yeah. other hand it's you know telephone technology isn't that difficult so <laughs> all you hey, need is well, a, you, a screwdriver <laughs> yeah.
1: you know what they you know bell wire i mean that's what it oh, is sure. it's just plain old
0: bell wire absolutely low voltage yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's
1: a, i i've got a story i've got to tell you not today because we we probably need to move on and get some medicare work done but Uh, If we have time at the end, or maybe in our next podcast, I'll I'll tell you that. Remind me to tell you the story about how I got hornswoggled into buying a cell phone that supported the new four-level cell. All
0: right, that's going to be interesting because I expected to hear something about the the uh, service you had back on the ranch in Nebraska. No, um, there was no
1: service back there. We, no, not <laughs> cell, cell
0: service. But you had uh, you had a party line and, and no, a, a battery party line
1: with a crank phone. That's what we had. And you had a battery in that phone. That yeah, there was the, a tw- there was a six a great big humongous. You had to carry. I'm being a little facetious, but yeah. it felt like you had to carry it into the house with a wheelbarrow. But it was a six volt battery with big, big clips on it, and you had to buy one. You know, maybe. Oh, from the phone company, of course. You couldn't sure. buy anybody oh, else's. Uh, oh, you had to not. buy one, you know, maybe twice a year, and that's yeah. what power. That's what powered the phones. If your that's, battery went dead, you were getting nothing.
0: That's incredible. I had never heard of that. Never heard of that till I met you. Well, listen. Let's start with our CDC, our precious governmental agency that's supposed to be. Um, what do they do? They they um, control and prevent diseases. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But what they're trying to do is control and prevent free speech by telling us about new terminology that we're supposed to use for the unfortunate people that we might come into contact with occasionally. And this is a very short one. It is people who are at increased or higher risk. Risk of what? I don't know. But here's what we have to do. We have to stop saying high-risk people. I don't know how often Randy says that during a, the course of a month or so, but um, I almost never say high-risk people. I never say high-risk population, but uh, they're going to make sure that we never get to say it again if they have their way. Also, vulnerable population and priority populations. We're not allowed to say those anymore. And, you know, it's not going to be a big lifestyle change for me, but they're, then they're saying, try this. Here's what you're supposed to say instead. People. See, all these stupid things start with the word people. People who are at increased or higher risk for, and then you say the condition. So, you know, the shorthand that we used to use doesn't work anymore. It's got to be a lengthy, multisyllabic substitute for the prior um, terminology. And here is the other one. People who live or work in settings that put them at increased or higher risk of becoming infected or exposed to hazards. Now, we're supposed to say that instead of high-risk people. I don't understand what the advantage is. Somebody's going to have to call me from the CDC and explain why that is advantageous uh, instead of what we have been using. But, uh, hey, thanks for looking out for these people. I don't want to hurt their feelings by calling them high-risk people. Yes, Randy?
1: I thought I would point out that I know why that is, Doug.
0: Oh, please share that with me, because I would love to be able to have some good explanation for this. The
1: editors and writers at the CDC are paid by the word.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yep. You know, leave it to, and the children shall lead us, as they say. Yes. Leave it to somebody with clear thinking to explain what was right before my eyes, and I didn't even see it. So (laughs) thanks for that explanation. Jesus. Here's something that probably needs some explanation. It is a a big agent and broker alert. It says across the top from the California insurance commissioner. So I thought, uh oh, I better get this disseminated right away. This came in yesterday, August 23rd, 2023. And it says false and misleading long-term care insurance marketing tactics. Apparently, that's happening in California right now, and they felt the need to uh, warn agents and brokers against using false and misleading tactics tactics when discussing long-term care insurance with our clients. Now, long-term care insurance used to be called nursing home insurance when it was first invented, I'm going to say, back in in the 80s. Is when it became perfected, and I think the first company to really perfect it was the John Hancock. And I was with the John Hancock in uh, the early decade of my career, and uh, they were very proud of their long-term care insurance product. Uh, it's an insurance policy that will pay some of the cost, maybe all of the cost, of nursing home. Uh, stays if you need a nursing home stay. And it was later expanded to cover home health care. Uh, my mother lived many years with a uh, home health care aide living with us and uh, that took care of her daily needs. And so that certainly is less expensive than uh, having her hauled off to a nursing home. But anyway, the state of California says that these faults and misleading. Uh, marketing tactics are being used to help sell long-term care insurance. So if you're in California, listen up. It says, what you need to know, the California Department of Insurance has received complaints that several agents and insurers are misleading consumers about the need to purchase long-term care insurance policies. The legislature has not created a public long-term care insurance program. No payroll tax is being implemented at this time. There is no enactment date or deadline to buy long-term care insurance before a state-imposed deadline. California law protects consumers from misleading statements by insurers and agents. Any communication that states that a public long-term care program will be enacted on January 1st of 2024 or any other specific date is untrue and a presumed knowing violation of the law. Well, here's the situation. The reason this is happening, I think, is because the state of Washington did this very same thing two or three years ago. It seems to me it was during the pandemic. And they said to people, okay, we're going to impose a state-funded long-term care plan, and we're going to pay for it with a payroll tax. So everybody that's getting W-2 wages and probably w, uh, 1099 people, uh, they would be hit with it when they file their tax return. They're going to have to pay for a long-term care benefit unless they have their own policy. And that would allow them to opt out opt out of the state-run long-term care program. And frankly, I looked into Washington State's program, and I would say that one would be better off purchasing their own policy than you know, being signed up involuntarily for the state long-term care program. I assume the same thing would be true in California. So I believe what has happened here is that the state probably announced that they were setting up a task force to come up with a program like Washington State has, and certain unscrupulous insurance salesmen are using that to frighten people into purchasing long-term care insurance before the supposed deadline now that's my guess the other guess could be that that it's actually these agents that are using tactics uh, that california doesn't like might be a little too close to the truth that's the other possibility it might be that these agents know something that the rest of the public doesn't know and that they're actually offering good advice to people when they say you better hurry up and buy your long-term care insurance policy from us, which is, you know, maybe a little, um, uh, a little bit misleading uh, or uh, unfair. But if they know something that we don't know about what the California department of insurance has up their sleeves, then that could be that uh, the, the advice they're passing out is actually beneficial. Hard to say, but I thought I'd let you know what's going on in California. Now, what do we have? A gentleman wrote me from Kentucky. This makes me sad, but it's unfortunately par for the course in many cases for people who are under age 65 but are disabled. If the federal government has decided that they've been disabled uh, and start them on the Social Security Disability Income, the SSDI program. And if that individual remains qualified for SSDI at the end of two years of receiving benefits, then what they do is they sign them up automatically for Medicare. So, this is how many under age 65 people wind up being enrolled in the Medicare program. If they qualified for Social Security Disability Income and they've had that for exactly two years, The government will automatically throw them right into the Medicare program for health insurance. And then some of these people have read my book and they understand the difference and the benefits of having a Medicare supplement rather than a um, uh, a Medicare Advantage plan. And so this letter came in from a person who has read my book, as you will see. He said, good afternoon, Douglas. I recently purchased and read your book and I've got a question recently got approved for Medicare Parts A and B, and I'm looking for Medicare Gap coverage or Medigap. He said, I called providers. Your recommendation was to choose the high deductible plan G. You also recommended plan F, but I'm only 50 years old, so he would not be able to get plan F or plan C. Those plans were kind of uh, stopped Uh, The availability was removed from people who were born in 1955 or later. Since my age is not 65 or older, the insurance agent told me to go with a Medicare Advantage plan, Part C. I believe in your book, you're totally against that plan. But the agent says we don't qualify for any other plan without paying $500 a month because of being under age 65. He said that provider is Humana Choice PPO. It covers that. Da, 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 da. This sounds too good to be true, which in your book you mentioned to stay away from it. It's a scam. I'm not sure I use the word scam, although we do laughingly call Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare scam Vantage plans because of their scam uh, techniques. And uh, so I feel comfortable. Saying that over the airwaves, but I don't think I ever used the term scam in my book. Anyway, he said, because they get higher commission rates and pretty much talk you into it. I wanted to check with you first. The salesman said he was going to send me the quote, but I only received an email that I didn't understand with no explanation. What is your recommendation? At this point, we really don't have a choice because we can't afford $500 a month since we're not age 65 yet, but we are disabled. I don't know who we is. Your opinion is very appreciated. Thank you. And I wrote him back. I did some research first. He's in Kentucky. And I wanted to find out whether reasonably priced Medicare supplement plans were available to people under age 65 in Kentucky. And I found out that the ones that are available are pretty close to $500 in the neighborhood of $400 and change was the best price I found. So reluctantly I had to advise this gentleman to go ahead and take advantage of whatever the Medicare Advantage salesman was offering because in this special circumstance, under age 65, completely disabled for two years on social security disability income, that was the best coverage he was going to get to not supplement Medicare, but a Medicare Advantage plan replaces Medicare. So that's what's going to happen with uh, this gentleman. I had to answer him back. I'm sorry that you don't have a better alternative, but I have to, in this case, endorse what the Medicare Advantage salesman has been telling you as being true. So then I, I put my tail between my legs and slunk off and curled up in the corner and uh Yes, Randy. I'm Randy. Wants to chastise me for giving up. I'm just curious now. In that particular
1: case, is this gentleman always going to be stuck on the advantage uh, play, the, the advantage whirly gig, or can Absolutely he? Absolutely
0: not. Absolutely can get, not. Can
1: he get something better later on? Yes.
0: His 65th birthday creates a whole new. It's it wipes the slate clean. It's like he was never disabled. And he will be able to have the same choice at the same prices as every other person age 65 coming into Medicare would have for a Medicare supplement. Uh, and uh, that would be the, a beautiful thing. The thing is, most of the people I deal with are in their early 60s or, uh, you know, these under 65 people in various states are older. This guy's 50 years old. It's going to be 15 years I'm going to be pushing up daisies in 15 years, or else at least I'm going to be going, boo, 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 boo. and uh, I don't <laughs> believe I'm going to be very helpful to him. But I, so I didn't, I didn't tell him the good news that in 15 years, you're going to have a whole new choice. Uh Well, uh, I,
1: I just, I had to ask, you know, I just had I'm, to ask. Well, that was
0: a wonderful question, and I might have forgotten to mention that. To is the there audience.
1: any light at the end of the tunnel for this gentleman?
0: Yeah, this guy's got a really long tunnel to, to look <laughs> for that light in. But yeah. Other yeah. people have a shorter time to have to put up with this. I've got a situation with a client in Tennessee. Uh, no, no, he's in Mississippi, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He is a uh, a guy who is, uh was... Um, granted Medicare parts A and B because of his two years of social security disability income. So they signed him up for the program and uh, his buddy is a client of mine. And so the buddy said, Hey, call Doug Jones. He called me and here's what I found. I found a Medicare advantage that in Mississippi. Now this plan, the high deductible plan G was priced at about $162 a month. That would be fantastic for somebody who is, been disabled for two years. And I got to tell you, insurance companies don't like to offer that kind of coverage that cheaply because they know they're just buying a whole bunch of medical claims. But this gentleman had a great opportunity. So I wrote the application up. I sent it into the company, the insurance company, and they said, we reject it because the plan is not available. And I said, that's crazy. I got the information from your website. What could be more up-to-date than your website? And they said, well, apparently we have up-to-date stuff that's even more up-to-date. And that plan was removed from the market just days before you sold it to your client.
1: Oh, I was going to say, 15, 20 minutes ago, it dropped off our website.
0: That's exactly what they were telling me. And I thought, you're crazy. So I talked to a different human being there who gave me the same information. So the next best thing was to go to a different company. Out of all the companies that I checked, which was a bunch of them, the second best rate the guy could get was $302 a month. So he's thinking right now, I had a plan for $160, which seemed okay, but that plan went away and evaporated in the thin air. If we had signed him up for that just a month earlier, then he would be able to keep it forever and ever. Now, his best option, $302, so almost twice as much. And I can see why he's taking his time thinking about it. But that's yeah. the only option I can offer him.
1: That sucks. I'm yep. just telling you.
0: That being sucks. under 65 and being disabled is not the best way to uh, be able to engage in in Medicare and a Medicare supplement, which gives you all that freedom. I mean, that's why you yeah. want a Medicare supplement. You want all that freedom uh, that uh, Medicare supplement avoids or that uh, it offers you and that Medicare Advantage plans kind of rob you of. Yeah. But yeah. That's uh that's the name of the game, I guess. Anyway, I believe guess what? Yeah, guess what? <laughs> they've they've uh, they've chirped themselves to death, I'm sure, by now. But
1: yeah, our seventy-five cents is gone. Maybe someday when we get really rich and famous, we can go to a buck. But let's right not now, rush
0: let's not rush things, shall we?
1: We're we're Have... getting right along on seventy five cents worth of of airtime. So that went away and we need to close shop land the plane but before i do get your pencil write this email address down dbj at mlm if you have any questions concerns wonderings comments whatever you have you can r- reach out to doug at dbj at mlmmailbag.com and he will answer you promptly he's uh, very very good at that he's responsive like i've never seen before the other thing I always like to talk about is the fact that Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning, or you can check us out at com. We would appreciate if you could find a place to give us a review on the website and the book, because we're always up against the, re- you know, the rating wars. It's the same in the podcast world as it is everywhere else. And that would be wonderful if you could do that. However, The last point, and certainly the not least, is to thank you for joining us. You could have been a thousand different places doing a hundred different things, and you weren't. You were with us. You chose to spend a little bit of time with us today listening to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and if you didn't keep track on your watch, it was about 32 and a half minutes you spent with us. Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, no more. He's up north now. He's in Arizona, Cave Creek, Arizona, to be uh, accurate, in the high ground behind the city. And I'm going to put him in, in his Fortress of Solitude today, at about 7,000 feet.
0: That's not bad. I appreciate it, Randy. And I appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. Let's uh, do it again, shall we? Bye-bye.